Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Welcome back, everyone. How are you? This is Nina Clark, your host of Nina's Got Good News. Thank you all so much for being here. It is officially October. I can't believe it. How did that happen? I hope this finds you doing well. I know everyone has a lot going on these days, like a lot. So I really appreciate all the support and I really appreciate you listening to positive stories and positive people. Who knew back in 2018 how much we would need good news here in 2021. But here we are. So welcome to podcast number 92. Oh my gosh. Episode 92 is all about a brand that can help all of us live healthier lives. And that truly is good news approved. Our guest today is a real disruptor in the beverage industry. She's a mom of four kids. She's an amazing leader. Kara Golden is the founder and CEO of Hint. It's the leading unsweetened flavored water, and it is definitely approved and consumed in the Clark household. That's for sure. It is water with a hint of fruit flavor. Hint is now available in over 300,000 stores nationwide. That's right. Kara started the company after giving up diet soda, and she started to add her own fresh fruit to her own water to make it taste better. And that sparked an idea. That idea has led her to her very successful company, Hint. Hint has had tremendous success during COVID, during the pandemic, which is incredible. And we love hearing these success stories. Kara is an incredible entrepreneur. She's received many awards. She's also a fellow podcaster hosting her own podcast called The Kara Golden Show. She recently wrote her first book called Undaunted, which is a really great read. And I read I really recommend everyone read her book or listen to it on Audible. I also personally want to thank Kara for saying yes to coming on the show, coming on Nina's Got Good News today. It really did take me six months to make this happen with Kara, and it really meant the world to me that she actually said yes to coming on the show. I manifested this interview as I talked about on my Instagram. I manifest this to happen for a very long time, and yes, it finally happened. So here it is. My good news conversation with Kara Golden, CEO and founder of Hint from California. And Kara is with me now from California. Kara, how are you? Thanks so much for being here. How are you? How is everything out in California on the West Coast? Uh, it's it's getting better. Uh, it, it's definitely um, it, it's it's been a crazy, I guess, for everyone. Uh, but a lot of people have left San Francisco. So I live just outside of the city in Marin County. Many people just left San Francisco for Marin County, similar to New York. At, you know, mass exit to Connecticut and some of the other um, areas outside of the city. But uh, but it's definitely I, I feel like it it's, it hasn't picked up quite um, the same way that New York City has quite yet. So because a lot, so many people left, um, big, huge tech offices closed and, um, and never reopened. So yeah. And, and uh, what is the status of your office at Hintwater, Kara? Is everyone back in? Are you not quite there yet? We are not there yet. And actually, we have, we have sort of an non-traditional office space where it's down in the marina area cow hollow area of san francisco and we actually have 
um, six locations. So we've taken over kind of storefronts and, uh, and rejiggered things. Uh, we have a store there that has been operating through the entire pandemic, but we, uh, there are, there's a handful of people that actually used to come into that office and uh, they've moved to various parts of the U.S. and they've been able to do their job from those locations. So we're still kind of on hold as to when we'll go back. I think as of now, it's January. We'll, we'll see. Uh, but I, uh, I miss it. I miss seeing people. I was in the office actually for some meetings the other day, but it's, uh, it's still pretty quiet. And I think, uh, you know, overall, we're, we're open if people want to come into the office, but our uh, perspective, our prospectuses, you know, really, our perspective is, is that uh, we're not really open until, until January. Well, so tell us the good news about the success that Hintwater's had. Like, how is the state of the brand right now? I feel like you guys are, you know, booming, but tell us, you know, in your, in your eyes, how is it going? When people say like, how is the state of your, of business right now? What do you say? Yeah, well, you know, as you and I were talking about, it sounds like you've been drinking Hint for a while and in your family. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I started this company 16 years ago and I, I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I, I didn't think I was going to go start a company. I'm, I was a tech executive. I'm, I'm a mom. I, I had very young kids. I had four kids under the age of six when I started Hint. And, but I wanted a drink that actually helped me get off of diet sweeteners. And so people would say to me, like, why are you starting a beverage company? For me, when I saw what switching to water did for my life, I was addicted to Diet Coke that's when I, you know, realized that there's a lot of people that are fooled by the diet industry, by just diets overall. I mean, it's a massive industry. And I felt like if people actually put good stuff into their body, um, then maybe they wouldn't need to have all of these, you know, diet drinks and, and the diet revolution overall would, wouldn't exist. And so, that comment um, and that sort of thought that I had, six, I guess almost 17 years now, was just people just didn't really understand what I understood. And so I think if anything, people are starting to understand it more, uh, that these diet sweeteners are, you know, just as bad as sugar, if probably worse, in my opinion. Um, and they cause but, cancer, by the way. But anyway, yep. <laughs> A lot yeah, of bad and, things. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was just sharing the story with somebody the other day that it was like one and a half percent to two percent of the population 16 years ago had this thing called type two diabetes. Mm -hmm. I had never heard about type two diabetes. And I, I ended up speaking with a customer who loved our drink and, and uh, he shared with me, he was a marathon runner. He, you know, was healthy. Everything was great, but he realized that he thinks he had these diet sweeteners for too many years and it had really screwed up how he regulated insulin. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, you didn't have type one diabetes, I guess. I wasn't a diabetes expert. But I, I started to really get educated around type two diabetes and, you know, talk to a lot of doctors about this as well, because I started hearing the story over and over again of how Hint was helping people who were trying to, you know, manage this chronic disease or get rid of it altogether. 
And, and again, like just hearing the word helping, uh, for me that this product that I created in my kitchen was actually helping people. It, that's a really powerful thing, right? That if you can create something, if you can do something that actually fills a need for people that seems really hard that they've been challenged by that, that is, I mean, that's like the key to the kingdom, right? I mean, that is just, it makes you get up every single day when you have hard days. And I think for, for me, this product was never about starting a beverage company. It was always about helping consumers really see what I saw. So today, I think that that is so much clearer what diet sweeteners, to your point, have done to people over the years. Um, but I think what I've been able to do is actually carry this even further uh, for not only for our consumers, but just being an advocate overall for things that I've seen. So I've learned a lot about water uh, over the years. And so getting involved with trying to understand, um, you know, what are the, what are the issues around water? What are, uh, why are there certain cities, for example, where there are higher cancer rates? Is it be, because of the water supply and you know how does that vary from state to state because we bottle our product in many different cities for example that all have different regulations connecticut has different regulations than arizona has for example and so some of the work that i've been able to do just by building hint and learning about these things i've been able to educate uh you know different people in Congress around, you know, why isn't this at a federal level? So I'm hoping that some of the work that Biden is doing right now on in terms of infrastructure starts to change um, around change kind of the overall um, platform for what we're seeing on on even clean water today. So we'll see. But again, that comes from somebody who just had an idea to get sugar out and sweeteners out of diet sweeteners out of the bottle. Um, I should, I didn't have any experience in the beverage industry other than the fact that I drank a lot of diet Coke. Um, but you can actually do good and create a purposeful company by just continuing to go and continuing to, you know, figure out how to move forward. And you don't have to be a lobbyist in Washington to do some of the work that I'm doing. You have to be educated. You have to, and, and, and that doesn't mean a, a formal education. That means really understanding something that maybe other people don't understand in order to make a difference. Yeah. And I feel like you just get stuff done, which is so, so amazing. Now that I've read your book, I realize that's, that's what you're all about. And also asking, right. And, um, you know, I love also reading more and learning more about your, your spouse, I feel like supportive spouses, you know, with your husband, Theo, like you've, you know, he really helped you too, which is so important for, for us women to have supportive partners. I think that's huge. So tell us, Kara, obviously the state of the company is really good right now, but what's the biggest challenge would you say as, as the CEO of Hint during COVID? Well, it was a, it was a crazy time. I mean, I, I was, uh, I, I remember I was in New York actually shooting the cover. Uh, I had, was there for meetings, but also shooting the cover of my book on March 13th. And I had flown out to New York on March 11th. And 
uh, when I got to our office, we've since moved out of that office, but our office was kind of a live workspace um, down in Tribeca. And I remember coming in and seeing about, uh, we have about 15 people that work out of that office. And those were the first cases in New York City of Corona, as we called it back then. And Corona, uh, Corona. Right. And people were there, there was just this, this feeling in the office of, of a lot of people being pretty scared and thinking um, that, you know, they're taking the subway with people that have this. And, you know, there was, was not clear, you know, who had it. Um, we were right across the street from the gap offices. And I remember those were some of the first people who um, had passed away. And I, people who were in our office, they were really freaked out. And I said, to uh, our head of HR, I'm like, we should just have people work from home. I mean, New York is way worse than San Francisco at that point. And I just really was nervous for my team. Uh, I ended up then like turning on the news and hearing how, I mean, this was before even the shutting down of the city. I mean, we were shutting down the company in order to make sure that our team was going to be safe. Um, I, uh, I'll, I'll never forget doing my photo shoot on, on the 13th because I, the photographer actually lives in Connecticut and he was in the city. And I said, are you sure you don't want to get out of here? You know, before, because they were closing down. I don't know if you remember this, but the tunnels, they were closing down the bridges. They were, they were threatening to do this. So I wasn't even sure if I was going to be able to get to JFK that day or not after the shoot. But I said, you know what, I'm going to get this done. And, um, it was interesting because I, when I got to the airport, my flight was still taking off. My son called me and said, hey, I know you're flying I, in addition to a few other like stressful moments going on that day. But he said, can you stop at Target when you land? And there's a Target right by SFO and pick something up. And I said, sure, because I, I can't help myself. I'm always looking at our uh, our shelf space in, inside Target anyway. So it's 9.30 at night, I pop into the Target and there's not a single bottle of Hint in the store. And I thought, oh, that's not good at all. And I go in the back room, there's nothing, the store closes. I'm kind of freaking out. I call my head of sales and I'm like, what, what is going on here? Because big stores like Target, for example, are on uh, EDI so that it goes off of the register. So when the register um, actually uh, rings a bottle of hint, I mean, they're actually taking inventory on it. And so they should be doing automatic replenishment and it wasn't happening. And so that next morning I got up, I went to two more target stores in the Bay area and there wasn't any hint. And we were not actually getting that message that there wasn't any hint. And so it was at that point when we reached out to not only target buyers, but some other buyers. And we said, you know, what can we do to help? versus actually saying, where's our product on the shelf, right? It's obviously, there's a big problem here. We had heard about people hoarding water and- um, And toilet paper. Yeah, yeah, and toilet paper and bleach, but we never really thought it was hint until you know we saw that there was just this massive you know issue that was preventing us from actually selling any products. So we started sending trucks in immediately um, that next week, trying to make sure that- you know, our store shelves could be stocked. And then we also knew that at this point, offices, especially in New York, were closing down. And we 
our, our team was asking us, you know, what do I do? I mean, they were normally going into Google offices and Facebook offices and some of the banks that were stocking our product and they were all shutting down. And so we didn't want to lay people off. And we said, look, the stores all need help right now. Let's get in there and let's see where there's a problem. And so I think it was sort of the moment when we didn't know that we were in a pandemic at that moment, but we knew that we just had to continue solving problems, which as a startup, it's what we've always been able to do. I mean, I think our competitive advantage has always been, you know, say yes more than no, be nimble, right? And we've all, pretty much everybody in our company has, has worked in large companies. And that's probably the biggest complaint of large companies is, you know, lots of red tape and things take too long and we never want to be that company. So we sort of acted in that way and we knew how to do that. Um, but I think for, for us, it was when we really saw, you know, everybody sheltering in place, uh, we had put a lot of processes in place in our, um, in our supply chain already. We had automated a lot of things at our plants that even most people in the beverage industry hadn't done. What's probably the most different thing about our product that I think a lot of people, consumers don't realize is that most, uh, most bottled water um, is not regulated by the FDA. We're regulated by the FDA because we use real fruit. So it's considered a food product. And so people are like, is it a hassle to be regulated by the FDA? No, I mean, as long as you are doing things right and it's clean and you know it's great. What we hadn't been through with the FDA is when the country goes into pandemic status and you are an essential product, while everybody else is being told to shelter in place and stay home, everybody else, every other company, if you are an essential product or an essential worker, that doesn't apply to you. So people were, you know, homeschooling their kids. They were sheltering in place just as uh, everyone was being told. And I was being told as a leader um, to actually your team needs to work. And you need to get out there to the stores. And I had to deliver that message to the team. I even had one of our sales, uh, one of our sales members who's very comfortable with me, he's uh, been with us for many years. He said, uh, are you trying to kill us? I mean, do you know how bad this is? Are you really going out on a limb for hint? And, uh, you know, how safe is it? And so I think when I heard that, that really hit me pretty hard and I, I, I thought I can't be sitting in my office watching and directing people when I'm not sure that it's actually safe. And so I went back to being a salesperson and I uh, went out and took some of the route of uh, in Marin County where I live. Um, and we really decided at that point that the best strategy was to make sure that people were visiting less stores as close to their home as possible. Um, and what I realized just by jumping in was that I was seeing things a little more maybe strategically than some of the other people and, and tried to figure out what would make me safe, what would make me feel safe. And that's when I went into my local Target store and I mentioned to uh, the manager there, I, I asked him if, they open at seven o'clock in the morning. Can I actually come in at six o'clock in the morning and make sure that the store shelves are, are set? And he said, sure. 
Like there's always somebody here an hour ahead of time, no problem at all. And so just being sort of thoughtful, um, extra thoughtful about, uh, about the team, but also coming up with strategies that would work for them as well as me, I think was, was what I saw as a, I guess I was always kind of doing it, but this was something that I had never really been through, right? That was something so serious um, as a pandemic. When I looked around at other beverage companies and other you know, friends of mine in tech, they're all sheltering in place. And I was working, you know, and making sure that my team was safe with masks and hand sanitizers. We even created our own hand sanitizer during, uh, during this time. So, uh, but overall, I think, you know, the thing I'm probably most proud of is that something I always say to, to other entrepreneurs, as well as our team is everything's possible. Oftentimes we just haven't figured it out yet. And I think that, you know, while this was a very scary time, I think that figuring out, you know, key things like safety and, and health and, and doing the best you can, even though I didn't have the roadmap was, was something that, you know, I'm probably most proud of, even though it was probably on a high level one that I wasn't sure was, you know, the right move every single, every single day. And, you know, I think it really just also goes to something that I think about a lot too, is that complacency will kill you, right? Like you can't just stand there and not do anything. You can slow down um, and you can sort of regroup um, at times along the way, but it's really to actually do nothing. Um, those are the companies that are the most challenged today. And constantly along the way, we were trying to figure out you know, even when we think we're doing things right, uh, can we be doing things better, which is, you know, very much the entrepreneurial mindset. During the pandemic is when I started um, ordering Hint to be shipped to my house. So obviously I wasn't alone. And tell us a little bit about the direct to consumer strategy that you sort of had to, I know that was already in place for you, but you had to embrace it even more. And do you think that that's basically the reason why you've been so successful over the past, you know, 20 months during this pandemic? Well, you know, it's interesting. It came at a time, our direct-to-consumer business came at a time when, first of all, I mean, we started the business in, I guess, like 2013-ish, depending on how you look at it. We were always, if people called our office, we would always ship a case, but it wasn't really a business. I mean, it, we, we were shipping it out of our office, but it was in 2012 when, when Amazon had reached out to us and they were doing their going big on their grocery business. That's when I, I really saw what the possibility was that there were a number of people that were buying hint who were also buying cross categories that they were sharing with us, like diabetes monitors and, uh, and, you know, healthy things that sort of signaled that that consumer was trying to find health. And when I asked the buyer, if I could have the emails of the people that they were, um, that, that were consumers that were you know, acting this way, that's when he reminded me that Amazon was not going to share the emails because it was their customer. And I think at one point he even said to me, does you know, Whole Foods or Target, do they share uh, the customer emails with you? And I said, no, of course not. And he said, so why do you expect Amazon to share 
these emails? And I said, well, that's a really good point. I, I, I don't like your answer, but that's a great point. And it was at that moment that I thought if I really want to have a relationship with the, the consumer to not only be able to ask questions more about them and sort of what their needs are and you know, focusing on solving their needs, but in addition, there were a lot of products that every, I mean, we have over 20 flavors. And so they're not gonna, stores aren't gonna stock every one of these flavors. And I thought our online platform at drinkhint.com can be a great opportunity for people to not only subscribe and not have to think about um, when their ship, when their next shipment is coming, but also that that weird flavor, right? That flavor that that maybe is seasonal, that that we um, create in order to um, you know use up some of the fruit that we had or or whatever. I think like there's just a huge opportunity for it. But I mean, it's sort of it's it's interesting. One of the things I talk about in the book is is flying the airplane as you're building it. We didn't really know what it could be. I think the biggest concern was that Amazon would beat us up on price. And, you know, as I tell other entrepreneurs that when you're starting a direct to consumer business, if you're looking at what everyone else is going to do, and that's the reason why you don't believe you should start, then I think you just have to figure out what is your why? I mean, why, why are you doing anything? I mean, look, there's a million podcasts out there. Does that mean that you shouldn't start a podcast, right? How are you going to differentiate yourself in some way? So my differentiation for our drinkhint.com was to provide the consumer with every single thing we do. So our deodorant, our sunscreen, every one of our flavors, all of these things, as well as smash ups, as well as, you know, an easy subscription program that you can swap things in and out for. Anyway, I, I just, I wasn't sure if it was going to work or not, but we tried it and it, you know, was working right out of the gate, which was extremely exciting. And, and that business to your point during the pandemic, because stores were either closed or, uh, people didn't feel comfortable going into stores. I mean, direct to consumer, not just in Hint, but everywhere really took off. Um, what's fascinating, and I think the story that so many people don't really understand though, is as our direct to consumer business took off and people were spending more time online and seeing ads along the way, um, they were still going to Costco. They were mm-hmm. still going to maybe not as frequently, they were still going into retail stores. Um, so the, the, the key sort of challenge for us was really providing something different in those stores. So in Costco, maybe you've got an 18 pack, maybe there's different flavors, um, things that we don't typically do online um, that really differentiates. But the overall uh revenue in the company, not only for direct to consumer, direct to consumer business tripled over the last 18 months. And then the, uh, the retail stores, um, grew well, our overall business grew almost 50%. So it's been an absolutely insane time. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, there's a lot looking back that I'm really thankful for. Uh, you mentioned my husband, my husband's our chief operating officer and handling a lot of the stuff that goes on at, at the plant level. And he really wanted to automate a lot of stuff even before the pandemic. So we were, we were going on 
with uh, Walmart and Sam's Club and some major, major retailers, which most people who have experience in the business would tell you only do one of those at a time because you don't want to mess it up. We were taking on Sam's Club, Walmart, Aldi, all at the same time because we thought, why not, right? Like, let's, let's go for it. And we really felt pretty ready because we had done a lot of automation in our supply chain. And like I said, there was no roadmap um, for it. We were just thinking through issues and how can we be better? Well, then when the pandemic hit, because we don't do anything outside of the US, we blow our own bottles in the US, we, um, which is different. Uh, most cans, just for those of you who aren't familiar, are made in Asia. So because the virus was on a different schedule, um, there were many plants, not only in Asia, but also in Europe that were um, shut down. And so a lot of glass is actually made in Europe. It's not made in the US. We do everything in the US. And so when uh, the pandemic hit and retailers were faced with shortages because manufacturers just couldn't get components of their product or their entire product, that's when they started calling us. So Costco uh, called us in April and said, can we go chain wide with you. Um, and, you know, with Walmart, Sam's Club, Aldi and Costco, I mean, insanity. It was, yeah, it was that's a good phone call to get, right? <laughs> it is, but it's, you know, if you can't deliver um, right. those, you know, then it's, it's very risky. Right. But yeah. we were willing to, you know, take the risk. Um, and, and, you know, the team was willing to take the risk in order to make it happen. And we did make it happen. And I think that, you know, the, the challenge for us today is uh, there's some things that we don't control, like, you know, in the supply chain, I mean, FedEx and, and we ship everything FedEx ground. I mean, FedEx is totally overwhelmed. UPS, USPS, totally overwhelmed. And so I think that, you know, for the consumer, when they receive things late, um, you know, they go back to the place, the product that they bought, right? They don't think that it's FedEx or UPS's problem, right? right? And so, so I think like, that's the biggest challenge is that when you don't control comp components of your own supply chain, I mean, hence, that's why Amazon has all these gray trucks running around mm -hmm. now that they're able to do that because there's such a shortage of that. So it's, uh, you know, at every level, at every stage of growth in your company, I think what, what, I, the, the main point that I see for entrepreneurs out there is there's, there's always something, right? There's always something that, that keeps you up at night that you're thinking about, but it's, they're good challenges to have uh, more than anything. And, and I think most of them we've been able to figure out. Um, and I think we're, we're continuing to have that mindset and uh, focus to be able to take whatever comes our way on. Yeah, it's all about the mindset too, Kara. I feel like that's so important. Totally. So Kara, because we're both moms and I have a lot of mom listeners, I feel like not just moms, but literally everyone is in a state right now of like overwhelm and stress. Everyone has just a lot going on, right? We're in this weird time in, in Q4 of, of 2021. And so what, what is your best advice for moms right now? Even if, you know, working or stay at home moms, no matter what, I feel like everyone that I'm talking to, all my mom friends 
are overwhelmed and stressed and just sort of what is your best advice right now to navigate the next few months of 2021 with as 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 far as moms are moms go yeah i mean i think people are really celebrating this time right now and i i think part of the reason why people are trying to get out even out to dinner is is you know you don't know right you don't know what's going to happen and it's hard to plan right because you you don't know if you should make travel plans for the holidays right or or not um but i think that focusing on you know seeing the people hugging the people that you care most about um during this time when it, you know, it is relatively safe to go and see them is really important. And then also I think finding, you know, your, your place where you can disconnect. I mean, part mm -hmm. of the reason why I left San Francisco, the, the main reason we left San Francisco is that we wanted to finance our uh, company. And we were doing that for the first couple of years. And I realized that I had a lot of money tied up in a great house in San Francisco and I was sending my kids to private school. Um, that was, you know, a lot of money. And I thought, can I actually invest in their future by figuring out, are there other opportunities out there? So I had never been to Marin County and I had heard that the public school system was great. And so I thought maybe I switch later, but, but uh, for now, I mean, I think it's a good idea to get my young kids into a great small public school system. And so that's what we did. What I hadn't realized was that nature for me was something I'd really been missing that I was, uh, I grew up in, in Arizona and Scottsdale where pretty much my life was outside. I was constantly, even my gymnastics uh, was outside. I mean, it was just, that's the way that I grew up. And yet when I moved to New York City, I, I loved New York City. I still love New York and San Francisco, but they're cities. And it, it, it was more of a uh, chore to go and find what I had in, in Marin County. And so uh, once I started realizing that there were hiking trails, my house has a hundred miles of hiking trails behind it. And I, I'm out there every morning. Um, and, and I can't even imagine, um, not going on a hike every day, even when I'm traveling, I'm, you know, trying to find a space that has some greenery and some trees now, um, because it really is settling to me and it's not mm -hmm. for everybody. I mean, other people have other ways of finding that, but I think if you, uh, if you don't know what that is, and I feel like I lost that, um, when I was in a city that. I needed to find it again. I think it's something that is is just really critical to to be aware of. It's it's funny. I have three kids and one in graduate school and two in university now. All those little ones have grown up and one in high school. And you know the biggest complaint that they've had they're on, all on the East Coast is that they didn't realize how spoiled they were they were by you know, having this, you know, indoor outdoor life where it was so easy. They didn't have to get in a car to go and find a trail to go hike or run on. And I just think that there's something that nature does that is just is really powerful. And even hearing birds, even where I am, there's, um, you know, coyotes and bobcats at times. I mean, it's, it sounds scarier than it is, but it's, it's beautiful. You know, and it's, uh, I think finding it's therapy, that, you know, it's like nature it is. is therapy and it's free therapy. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it, it really is. And I think that that's, um, you know, finding your happy, right. Is, Mm -hmm. is really important. And I think so often as, as moms, as parents, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to, um, you know, make sure everybody else is situated. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think finding your own time, I was sharing with the, uh, mother the other day of young kids that the only time I could really find that time where I wasn't interrupted in some way or feeling like I should be doing something else is earlier than my kids uh, got up. So that's how I started getting up at 5 a.m. And I, you know, it sounds crazy to those, but I love that time still to this day. I mean, even, you know, my high school son, you know, is not, uh, is, is pretty self-sufficient at this point, but I still love getting up at that time. And I, you know, I have squirrel friends that come and visit me on, you know, I know exactly the pattern now from being, you know, working out of my house for so long that I just laugh. And yeah. again, it's, it's like, find that time where you can just kind of do nothing, mm-hmm. right. That you can, um, you know, just sort of enjoy, whether that's closing your eyes, whether it's uh, reading a book um, and not being responsible mm-hmm. um, for somebody else. And I think that working parents too, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I feel like I have a family at Hint too, that I, you know, have to help them think about, you know, how do you manage your time? And, and again, like everybody just needs their own space and their own time to mm-hmm. be able to do what, um, they need in their own life. Kara, in the, in your new book, Undaunted, I just have to talk quickly about in chapter five, this really resonated with me when you said that you thrive on kindness. I'm just curious as a successful leader, right? You're a successful female leader and CEO. How do you manage to have this amazing company that you're leading, but also be kind at the same time? Not everyone can pull that off. And I feel like Um, that's rare. And I just, I love talking about kindness and how important it is, especially right now. So if you can just tell us a little bit about how do you think you pull it off? You know, it's interesting. I think uh, definitely the world has, has also changed in terms of leadership. And I don't think the best leaders today um, are the ones that are uh, yelling and screaming and, and uh, trying to, um, trying to, sort of, um, what's the word, like, uh, uh, you know, challenge people um, to a point of ridicule, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that it's an important thing to think about that you, you have to lead with an understanding of that there is something that you need to get done, right? And I don't think you can just say everybody should just be kind and everybody should be happy, right? That there's a responsibility. Um, I mean, look, in my my company, it's a responsibility to hint to the shareholders, to um, consumers that we all are doing things right. But I also think that sort of leading by example and being able to jump in, maybe it's going to the Target store during the pandemic and, and showing that you still know how to do their job, right? But also, I think sort of putting yourself in their shoes mm-hmm. when times are challenging. And certainly during this time, I've had, you know, parents, mothers in particular ask me, like, how did you manage with, with four kids? I didn't manage homeschooling my mm-hmm. kids. 
right? Ever. Like that was, that's a whole other level, right? Trying to work and be on Zoom and then, you know, talk to your kids about math. I mean, I, I've never done that. And I think that being honest, being vulnerable, authentic, do I have ideas about how to do it? Can I, as a company, be more supportive and as a leader, be more supportive about that? Um, yes. But I think that, I think it's really just a, a, you know, kind of in, in many cases, just taking it on a case by case basis too, and showing, I guess we call it EQ today, right? That showing you have an understanding and an empathy versus actually saying, this is the way things need to get done. So Kara, where does everyone get your book? Bookstores, if you're going into an airport, it's uh, yeah. in many of the airport shops these days. Uh, Amazon, of course, it's on Audible. If you enjoy listening to books too, uh, and I'm all over social at Kara Golden with an I, and hopefully you'll pick up some hint as well. And, you know, more than anything, I wanted people to know that, you know, there's a story behind the brand. So often people think that entrepreneurs are these fearless risk takers. There's the unicorns out there or the failures. I always, you know, tell friends that, there's so many aspects It can be, you know, how you raised money or how you built your team, how, um, you know, what kind of culture were you trying to create? Um, it, you have to have a great product today in order to be, or service to be successful. But I think there's so many components that go along and being an entrepreneur is not easy. And it's, it's more than anything. It, I think it's tiring um, because you have to, you have to write the, you have to write the memo. You have to, you have to build the puzzle. So often people haven't done it the same way because things will be just a little bit different. And I think that people, whether you're a food entrepreneur or beverage entrepreneur, or you're not an entrepreneur at all. I think getting into the entrepreneur mindset, may your kids one day have thought about being an entrepreneur too, and you gain a better understanding of what it's like to be um, an entrepreneur, I think is so, so key. It's great advice, Kara. And we're going to have all your links in the show notes of this episode, including if anyone wants to listen to Kara's awesome podcast, because you have a podcast too, which is so fun. I love listening to all of your guests on the Kara Golden show. So we'll put a link of that as well. And of course, since we love Instagram, your Instagram, you have so many great, I, I look, I really look forward to your posts and all the tips that you share because they're so valuable. So thank you for adding value on the gram as well. So thanks for sharing all your good news, Kara. Cheers to more Hint Water. I hope that cheers. we get more cheers, flavors, cheers. more flavors maybe in 2022. Um, but I know my son loves pineapple. So never, please never um, eliminate pineapple. Um, we, but we will not. We will not. And the, uh, actually the cranberry orange just came out. It's so good. Um, oh, good. So, okay. Well, I have to check yeah. that out. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. It's, good. It's great. So, and hopefully, uh, if you're ever in the San Francisco area, go to our store, it's on union street. It's always, seems like it's always open and, uh, it's a lot of fun. Oh, awesome. Well, I can't wait to check it out. And again, thanks so much for sharing all the good news about our favorite water and the reason why most of us in our house are drinking more water than we ever were before. So thank you for that. I love Good to it. see well, you, thank Kara. You. you too. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News 
on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. Please be sure to subscribe. Also rate and review all her podcasts too. And be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXO.